0: Welcome to the My Yielded Life podcast hosted by me, Ray Marie Marsh, where I will be answering the question, what does it actually look like to yield to God? So this is not a right or wrong. This is just God in me. You've got to hear him. That just didn't sound right. As a Christian, you feel like you're given those two options. You're supposed to take the ministry road. You've got to settle this. Do you trust him? And I felt like God was not listening to me. Not everyone will go this journey. There are some who will, but I had to do this. I needed to be who I am. You didn't find this podcast by coincidence. You are here for this. Let's figure it out as we go. This is my yielded life. Wherever you're from tonight, I greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am Minister Ray Marie Marsh, and I am eager to dive into God's word with you tonight. I wanna encourage you to use the chat and comment section to react to the message throughout the message. So if I throw out a scripture, or if I give you a challenge, um, I want you to light up the comment section on whatever platform you're using to show that you're present, to show that you're engaged, to show that you're listening. So it's not like in school where you can't talk while the teacher's talking, can't text while the teacher's teaching. It's the opposite of that. I want you all to be active in chatting and reacting in the comment section. So this evening I'll be bringing the word from Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 verses 13 through 18. And it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. This evening, I'll be speaking to you from the topic, I know you are, but what am I? I know you are. But what am I? Let's pray. Father, I come to you this evening, God. I just rejoice in you, in your power, in what you are capable of, and what you're about to do in the lives of these young people. You saw this moment far in advance. God, you orchestrated them to be listening to this at this time. And Lord, I pray that you send your Holy Spirit into the hearts and homes and lives of these children to accomplish your mission, to cause them to take hold of Jesus Christ, to cause them to grow, to draw them, that they would hunger and thirst after your righteousness, that they would be filled with your spirit, O Lord. Have your way. Take this, your word, and feed it to your people. Feed it to these children that they will be whole, oh Lord, and that they will be filled. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I remember arguing with my older brother as a kid. You know, siblings. You live in the same house, you get on each other's nerves. And I was about three and a half years younger than my brother. And so when he would get on my nerves, I remember being little and trying to call him the biggest insult I could think of, bird head. And he would look at me and be like, I know you are, but what am I? And I'd be shocked, like, (gasps) and then I'd try to come up with another insult. And I'm, you know, obviously young and immature, but I'd try to come up with another name and I'd call him something else, skinny. He'd be like, I know you are, but what am I? How many of you have had these similar arguments in your home and tried to throw insults back when somebody's called you something? Have you ever tried to win an argument by pushing the insult back at the other person? I know you are, but what am I is a clever response because there is something powerful about that statement. It's something powerful to say, I'm not who you say I am. And see, We need to know when we're not being called by our true name and something should rise up in us. When somebody calls you something that you're not, something should strike you and say, hang on, that's not me. You got the wrong one. When I was 14, I told you I wasn't raised up in God's home, God's house. I wasn't raised up around the word or in church. So by the time I was 14, I was in eighth grade. And because of, unsafe things happening in my home i would act out in school because school was a safe place so in school i started getting in trouble by the time i was 14 i had been suspended so many times and just doing silly things things that you should not do by the way just getting in trouble getting suspended fighting cussing at teachers all kinds of stuff right and i remember at my eighth grade the end of eighth grade i had gotten suspended one final time right at the end of the school year Missed all the 8th grade graduation festivities. And I remember the 8th grade assistant principal looked at me when he called me in his office to suspend me his one last time. He looked at me and he said, you're going to either end up dead or in jail. And that statement, I will never forget it because it struck me. It struck me. It's almost like before I even knew God, the spirit of God somehow came and stopped that message from penetrating my heart and mind. And I remember thinking, oh no, not me. No, I won't. You got the wrong one. I am not the one. I will not end up either dead or in jail. Now, of course we know. We know how life ends, this life ends. So yes, eventually that will be true. But he was speaking about in my youth that I would end up dead or in jail. And I remember making a conscious choice at that moment that's not going to be me. That's not going to be me. And it was right after that. Look at God's timing. Get used to identifying God's timing in your life because literally right after that, we moved to another state. And I remember thinking what that principle said was ringing in my head. I said, okay, I'm in a new new town. They don't know me now. They don't know me. They don't know that I have a bad reputation. They don't know I used to get in trouble said so I can be different. I have a clean slate. I can do new things. And then it was with that decision that I started going to church with a friend and the Lord really started a journey with me in my life. Like I said, something should rise up in us when we're called outside of our name. Where you know they're not where you know you're not what they're calling you. So if you're not whatever they say you are, then what are you then? Who are you then? I'm going to give you a 30-second challenge. And this is a challenge you can participate in depending on where you are. So if you can do this, then please participate. I'm going to give you a 30-second challenge. I'm going to give you 30 seconds, and I want you to go get a hand mirror. Or if you're able to move your device, go get in front of a mirror. We're going to do an activity really quickly. 30 seconds. Hey Siri, set a timer for 30 seconds. And of course, Siri doesn't wanna work right now. So go on the count of three. One, two, three, go. And if you're going, and if you can still hear me, when you get back, I want you to say in the chat section, got it, got it, that you've got your mirror. And I want you to put that mirror in front of your face and look at yourself and say your name out loud. So if I was holding a mirror in front of my face, I'd look at myself in the eyes before the presence of the Lord and say, Ray, look at yourself in the mirror and say your name out loud. And I want you to think about who are you? Who will you become? when society may think you're lost and when life will insult you and call you names and labels like dead or in jail get stamped on your head, how do you know who you are? And as I read in the beginning, the Bible answers this for us through a situation with Peter. If you ever want to study somebody really interesting who needed a lot of grace, study the life of Peter. Jesus asked Peter, what people were saying about him he asked jesus jesus asked peter who do people say that i am peter who do folks say I am, what have you heard about me? And so Peter speaks up and says, well, people are comparing you to John the Baptist. They think you might be Elijah coming back or a different prophet, Jeremiah. They think you're a really good prophet like the other prophets that came. That's what they say. And here's the thing. All of those things that people thought about Jesus and were saying about Jesus probably behind his back. We don't know. They were incorrect. They were incorrect about Jesus. Jesus was so much more than all of those other people, greater than all of those other people. And so Jesus asks Peter, Peter, that's what they're saying about me out there. That's what the word on the street is. But Peter, who do you know me to, to be? And I'll read that verse again. Then he asked them, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. God. In other words, you are the savior. You are the one that everyone's been waiting on. You are the goat. You are the one we all need the most. And so now I'm asking you, just as Jesus asked Peter, the spirit of God asks you today, no matter how old you are, whether you're six or seven, whether you're 17 or 18, the spirit of God is asking every person Who am I to you? Who do you say that I am? The Lord wants to know. Can you right now honestly confess within yourself that the Lord Jesus is who he said he is? Do you know it for yourself? Because children, let me tell you this. I can tell you this because I skipped this whole stage in my childhood and I had to do this as a 19 year old. But at some point, child, you will have to cross over from just hearing about God, from just letting people talk to you about God, to actually knowing God for yourself. And it's it's one thing when you sit in Sunday school or in church and someone teaches you about God and you learn all the facts, you learn the Bible stories because someone is telling you about him. And all of that is good. All of that is a foundation of knowledge, but it is a whole nother thing when you experience God for yourself and you experience him when in your alone time, when you go away from what that person told you and you go away from Sunday school and you go away from church and in your alone time, your heart says, God, I want to know you. God, I want more. See, you experience him yes you experience him in the fellowship of others but you experience him and you grow in him and you receive him when you do so when it's just you and him when nobody's making you or prompting you do you seek him when you're alone do you pray when you're by yourself do you want him when nobody's looking Some of us, we do. Some of us have experienced the Lord because we went away from what we heard about him and we said, I've got to have a moment with you for myself. If this is true, then I want you and I need you. And some of us have started chasing him. These are the moments that nobody can take away from you. I I now have experiences with God that my eighth grade principal who spoke that over my life that I'd be dead or in jail. I have something with God that he can't take away from me, nor can his words, nor can anyone else who wants to come into my life and label me and call me whatever they think they want me to be. I have something undeniable that I have experienced with God one-on-one that no one can take away. So Jesus says to Peter, Something key that needs to be said to each of you. Jesus said, you didn't learn that I'm the Messiah from any human being. Do you see what I mean? Do you see what I mean? There's got to be an encounter with God, a meeting with God, an experience with God that is not attached to any human being. It is God who fully will reveal Jesus Christ to you as Jesus said to Peter, it's God who revealed this to you. You're not saying this out of the unction of anything someone else said in the streets. Peter, you are now saying this because God, my Father has revealed it to you. Let God the Father fully reveal Jesus through the word to you. Another example of this is when, let's say you're meeting someone new And your parents go to introduce you to that person. And so they walk up. So imagine next to me, imaginary person, right? And so they walk up and your parent says, hey, sweetie, this is Mr. Bob. Mr. Bob, meet my child. And then mom walks off, dad walks off. And you're standing there with Mr. Bob. Can y'all see? I'm looking at Mr. Bob. He's right here. You're standing there with Mr. Bob. And then you have a choice. And you're probably like, Ray, I am just a kid. No, you have a choice. Mr. Bob is standing there, there's that little awkwardness, you're all looking at each other, you're smiling, he's smiling. You have a choice if you're gonna start a conversation with Mr. Bob. You have a choice if you're gonna ask him about himself. So Mr. Bob, where are you from? What brings you here? Tell me about your life, what do you do for a living? Do you know the Lord? Whatever. You engage with Mr. Bob or you can just be quiet and twiddle your fingers and then slowly just walk away from Mr. Bob. Leave him there. Your parents introduced you to Mr. Bob, but it was your choice whether or not you engage Mr. Bob or get to know him. If you're curious about him, if you're willing to talk to him or leave the moment awkward and dry. And so it is with the Lord. So it is with the Lord. You can be introduced to Jesus Christ. Somebody could literally walk you up to Jesus and say, this is Jesus. This is who he is. This is the truth. He did die for you. He has made a way for you to be redeemed and for you to spend eternity in his presence. This is Jesus Christ. Meet him. He is my Lord, and I want you to know him. Here he is. And then that person who introduces you to Christ can walk away, and then there you are with Christ in front of you, and you have to make a choice. A daily choice. The Bible talks about our daily choices to obey and to follow Jesus Christ. And so it is. Peter had to differentiate from what he heard to actually allowing God to reveal Christ and for him to then declare Christ. You've got to cross over. To obey him, to be his disciple, you must cross over from that moment of introduction into the moment of, I am going to actually seek you. I'm going to seek to know you. I'm going to daily choose you. I'm going to set my life to learn and go deeper in fellowship and communion with you. Even Lord, if you want me to, if you want me to be used by you, I'm going to do that. If you want me to turn from whatever sins try to cling to my life, then I'm going to do that. But there is a choice that no one else can make for you. I worked with a group of middle schoolers one time, and I used to tell them all the time, like, if I could do it for you, I would. Because childhood was hard outside of Christ. Childhood is hard inside of Christ. Let's be real. But I would tell them, I was like, Miss Ray can stand up here and teach you and introduce and reintroduce Jesus to you until I am blue in the face but you have to make a choice to take hold of Jesus Christ. So then something happens. And remember we're in Matthew chapter 16 verses 13 through 18. Put that in the chat, Matthew 16 verses 13 through 18. If you're watching and you're paying attention, put that in the chat so everyone knows what verse I'm preaching from. There's a shift in the conversation with Jesus and Peter. It starts off where Jesus is asking, what do people think about me? But then he shifts the conversation. Once Peter divulges who the Lord is, then Jesus begins to tell Peter about himself. Jesus replies to Peter, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus begins speaking things over Peter's life. He calls him rock. And the more you know God, the more he will start singing over your life and he will speak things over your life and he will reveal truth about who he made you to be. This is where it gets deep. This is where it gets personal because we can flip the question. Remember I started off and you're probably like, what was that even for? Remember I started off saying, I know you are, but what am I? And that's the title of the message, right? I want us to flip that question and ask God, God, I know you are. I know you are the Messiah revealed in the Bible. I know you are the Christ, son of the living God. But now I'm asking you, what am I? We flipped the question to God. I know you are Lord, I know you are Savior. I know you are creator of all the earth, but what am I? I believe your word, Lord, I see you clearly. But just like you revealed to Peter who he really was. We need the Lord to reveal to us who we really are. We see you, Lord, but we don't see ourselves clearly in light of your truth. So God, what does who you are have to do with me? What does it tell us about ourselves? As God reveals himself to us, he Begins revealing ourselves to us. And it's funny about Peter. Remember, I mentioned earlier, you can study his life. He went through some things, okay? You know this. Some of you know this. Peter went through a lot of things. But at the time that Jesus said this to Peter, you are Peter, you are a rock, and upon this rock, I'll build my church. This was before Peter made some really bad mistakes where he actually rejected and denied that he even knew Jesus in front of everybody. He sinned greatly against the Lord after this statement. So that tells me that the statement was true in spite of what Peter was going to do, in spite of his failures. It did not undo Peter's destiny, nor will you undo your destiny in Christ. Who you are is based on who God is because you came from him. And I know that sounds simple, but think about that for a moment. I want you to type this in the chat. In the chat, say, I came from God. You're here only because of him. And you you may be really clever and be thinking, well, what if I rejected God? Even those that reject God are still only here because of him. It is his air that they're breathing. It is his energy causing their hearts to beat. It is him that makes blood move through their veins. It's his breath of life keeping them alive and sustaining them. So no matter who you are. You're only here because of him, and as children of God, as his creation, our identity is completely tied to him. We're wrapped up in him, and he holds the creation certificate. He holds your life plan. Forget a birth certificate. Yes, you were born of parents. You were born of parents. You know what a birth certificate is? I'm sure many of you do. In the hospital, it's a document that says, This child was born, this is their gender, this was their mommy, and if the daddy's there, this was their daddy, this is who they came from, and this is the official document saying how they arrived to earth, there you go, birth certificate, but Jesus holds a creation certificate. It's like God has your creation certificate in his heart, and he will not ever forget who he formed you to be. He formed each and every child. He formed each and every adult, each and every elderly person. He formed them with a purpose just like Peter. There's nothing in that conversation with Jesus and Peter that doesn't translate to us. Looking at what people say about Jesus, it's important. It's important as a society understanding that people say and believe many different things about Jesus then what do you believe about Jesus and then declaring and knowing who Jesus is doing so and having the right answer about Jesus and then Jesus telling us who we are that is such a nice summary of how we come to the Lord how we come out of darkness into Jesus's marvelous light we kind of go through a process and that's basically the process and then we live life walking and coming into and maturing and growing and overcoming and becoming exactly who God formed us to be. It is awesome. And I know I'm I'm older than you guys. I'll tell it, I'm not ashamed I am 35, but I from 19 to meeting the Lord to 35, I have seen the Lord cause me to become hallelujah, who he formed me to be. And I'm finding that out. I don't have the complete picture yet at 35. You don't have the complete picture yet at age nine, but the Lord is working out his purposes in your life. So let's do a moment of review before I continue on because yes, we're virtual and it's different, but we're going to make the most of what God has given us in this virtual climate. So I want you to share in the comment section anything that you've heard so far or learned so far. Anything that I have said so far in the message from God's word that has been a reminder to you or it could be something new to you or just something that you really liked and appreciated throw that in the comment section flood the comment section even if you're watching this later and not live still flood the comment section and let the world know what the lord is saying to you and then you by doing so are ministering to children all around the world so light up the comment section as i continue on what have you heard what have you learned what have you learned summarize Summarize this message. And again, we're in Matthew 16 verses 13 through 18. So I said earlier, as you're lighting up the comment section, I know you are, but what am I? There are things about God that tell us things about ourselves, just like Peter's experience with Jesus. And so I'm going to throw out a few of these. And I don't mind if you put these in the comment section. And if you can think of others, other things about God, other characteristics of God that tell us something about ourselves, go ahead. This is not the complete list by any means. This is just a tiny little part of that. So check this out, okay? Because God is alive. Lord, I know you are alive, but what am I? What are you? God being alive, Jesus being a risen, resurrected Savior means that we have a destiny for eternal life. If death was not the end for Jesus Christ, then death is not the end for us. You have an eternal future because God is alive. God is awesome. God, I know you are awesome, but what am I? Because he is awesome, we are worshipers. He is worth our worship, he's worth our praise, he's worth us serving him, he's worth us obeying him. So because of his awesomeness, we have to stand back in awe and worship comes up out of us. Did you realize that God made us natural worshipers? We do it, we worship all kinds of things sometimes, all kinds of other things, but because God is awesome, I am a worshiper, you are a worshiper, God is faithful, God, I know you are faithful, but what am I? Because he is faithful, I have hope. I am hopeful at my worst moments in life. I, he, At my worst moments, at your worst moments, the Lord can be trusted, hope in him. And then this other one is kinda tricky, but you have to know your word on this one. So, So track with me on this. God, you are holy, and because you are holy, I am holy. I almost don't, you know, I'm looking to make sure it's okay to say, but guess what? The Bible says something special about us because you can argue, no, I make mistakes, I sin, I fall short. So do I. How can I be holy? God is the only one you can go to that is pure, that evil and sin cannot touch or stain. And then he tells us to be holy, be ye holy, for I am holy. And he calls us a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a holy nation. And he sanctifies us until that perfect day. Christ in his holiness stands in our place before God. And God sees the holiness of the Lord upon us. Because you are holy, what am I? Holy. You are loved. God is love and therefore you are loved. Some of these is the exact same thing, exact same word. Put this in the comment section. God is love. We are his creation and we are loved perfectly. Unchanging love is wrapped around me and it's wrapped around you. God is powerful. God, I know you are powerful. So what am I? Because he is powerful, that means that you can ask him for his power in your life. When things are out of reach and they are beyond what you are able to do, his power can be on display. In our weakness, the Lord is strong. And the gates of hell will not win against you. Hell and sin will not swallow you up. Because he is powerful, we receive power. Acts 1 and 8 says, we shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon us, and we shall be his witnesses. Jesus is victorious, and so because he is victorious... God, I know you are victorious, so what am I? I am an overcomer because he is victorious. It doesn't mean we don't struggle. It doesn't mean we don't go through battle. We fight, we fall, and we will fail sometimes. But God, because I know you are victorious, I also know that that means that forever I will overcome. And I will make it to the finish line and be with you forever. So what are you? All that is true about God reflects back to us and it speaks true to us that we have eternal life, that we are worshipers, that we are full of hope, that we are holy, a holy people that, that are loved unconditionally. We are powerful in him because his power reaches into our lives and we are overcomers. And God, I know you are the forgiver. And because of that, you and I are forgiven. We're set free, debt paid, nothing owed, no strings attached. Hallelujah. As he cleanses and grows you, he reveals more and more truth to you about yourself. So he's not a God who forgives us and then sends us to go on our separate ways. No, he forgives us and brings us close to himself, wanting a relationship with us. So if you do not truly have a relationship with the Lord, if I don't say Jesus and something personal doesn't come to your mind that you and Jesus have experienced, then maybe, only God knows, but maybe you don't have a relationship with him. If people can talk about him, and you don't feel no kind of like bubbling up on the inside like that's my homeboy, you need to ask yourself, do you have a relationship with him? Because his forgiveness is a gateway by which we come into a relationship with him, beginning in this life and continuing for eternity. Hallelujah. As I'm preparing to close, I wanna paint this picture for you guys. Isn't this a beautiful picture? Let me paint another picture for you. It is summer, summer is coming to an end here in the United States, kids are going back to school. But at the beginning of summer, we experienced the graduation season. And at a graduation season, someone is calling your name because you completed the phase or grade that you're in and you're going to move on to the next level. School is complete. You can't go back to that past grade. You can't go back and relive that time. You've got to move forward. graduation time. Put that in the chat. It's graduation time right now between you and God. And he is calling your name today. If you're listening to this, it is no coincidence. There's no mistake. He sees you and he knows. He's calling your name today. He is speaking to you today. And he's saying it's time to move to the next phase in life. You cannot stay where you are. You've got to know more about yourself in this next season and you've got to know more about me. It's graduation time. The angels are rejoicing over those who are following the Lord. There's parties in heaven. The pause is going, praise to the Lord, but you've got to move up. Child, six year old, 18 year old, you got to move up. I have got to move up. Grandma has got to continue pursuing our Lord. He's not a God that plays hide and seek with his children. No, he's not hiding. He's not dodging you. He is hanging on your every word, waiting for you to look towards him and speak to him and be in life as a friendship with him. So it's time to prepare our hearts to pray. And so campers, children, teenagers, adults, starting your life, I'm asking you tonight to own who you are in Christ. Own it. And you own it by holding on to him afresh, anew. There's a verse in Revelations that says, return to your first love, lay the foundation again. Some of us need that right now. And it's not starting over, but it's just committing again, Lord, me and you've got to be tight. We've got to be close. This has got to be real. I cannot sit under the word and sit around Christians and sit near believers and have a praying grandmother and then I myself be cast away. Own your relationship with Christ and your age is not an excuse. The Bible says that clearly. Don't let anyone despise your youth. Let the little children come to me, Jesus said. Own your relationship with him. Take ownership of him and let nobody stop you. Accept who God has made you to be. Embrace the blessings he's poured out on you. And if you struggle to know who you are, then come to the Lord. Come to the altar and pray those specific prayers, asking God to make it more clear to you. God, I know you are. You're good. You're solid. But God, what then am I in light of that truth? come to the altar and maybe if you're just starting from square one with God if this is the first time in your life where you feel seriously that you want to follow the Lord then just start with the prayer Lord I do believe what you said I do God I do want you and God I'm willing to walk with you and I'm willing to listen to you and I'm willing to do what you want from me every believer begins at this place. Or simply say you can even just take the title of the message which I encourage you now join with me because I wish I could be in a room with you but I'm not but the next closest thing is to join with me in saying the title as we begin to transition over to prayer I know you are so God what am I at this time as I prepare to close with prayer, look at the information on the bottom of the screen or reach out to your camp director for the prayer time, the prayer breakout rooms. But at this time, I will close this message with prayer. Dear Lord God, wow, you are amazing what you can do with a rich like me what you can do in the lives of these children. Lord, we have not seen, eye has not seen, neither has ear heard, neither has it entered into our hearts what you have prepared for us, oh God. But yet you've given us this passage about Peter, Lord God, and we are all, Similar to Peter, we all need to go through the process that he and many of your other disciples went through. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would reach into these regions around the world, reach into New York and other nations, into the homes of children and youth leaders. Oh God, doing a new thing in them. Stir up the gift that is in them right now. Show them who they are. Speak identity and destiny over these children Help them to own their relationship with you. Help them to cross over from what they heard about you in the streets into who you really are. Help them to hunger for you for themselves. Help them to ask about you when they're alone, to pray to you when nobody's influencing that, Lord God. Let there be a motivation of the Spirit within them, influencing them to walk out their lives with you hand in hand, oh God. I place them in your hands, and I... Thank you for this time. And I trust you to faithfully carry out your will in each of our lives, Lord. We love you. Have your way. Amen. In closing, I want to let you know I appreciate you for listening to this episode. And I welcome your questions, feedback disagreements, whatever it may be, you can email me at ray at myyieldedlife.com. You can also connect with me in between episodes by following me on Instagram or Facebook under My Yielded Life. So until we connect again, take care.